0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to make sure you were listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this year. We stepped it up with the guests. I don't even have time to list all of them, but let's just say we have had a who's who of A-listers, A-minus listers, B-plus listers in sports, pop culture, movies, music. I mean, where else can you get Kevin Durant, Steve Ballmer, Jimmy Iovine, And Charlize Theron in the span of six weeks. Nowhere. The answer is nowhere. You can find that literally nowhere other than the Bill Simmons podcast. We are in year 11. It's been an honor to do it. Hope you subscribe to the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and I am in North Carolina, and Mr. Mike Lombardi is live from Los Angeles in the studio. Lombardi, how you doing? Happy Thanksgiving week.
0: How Uh, are things going? Happy Thanksgiving. I'm in Sinatra's uh, Sinatra's studio here. You know, you're back home. (laughs) So, like, let me ask you this question, again, because I grew up in the East, and what was the... Like, what's Thanksgiving like in North Carolina? Do you like, uh, is there high school football games in North Carolina? Because, like, for me in Jersey, like, there's, you have high school football, 10 o'clock, and then by the time you come home, you know, the Lions are playing somebody. It's kind of like it was football all day. Like, what's in North Carolina? What do you have? It's sort
1: of similar. I mean, Thursday, obviously, Thanksgiving, it's going to be all NFL football, but you know what, I'm in college basketball country. So a lot all these tournaments when I was a kid, I mean, it was Maui Invitational, NIT tip off, uh, at Madison Square Garden. You know, those were all the big tournaments we watched. Uh so we watched a lot of college basketball too. It's basically just sports on all day. And it's right. just you popping in and out, going outside, shooting basketball, throwing the football, um, and then obviously eating a lot of food and a lot of pie. I mean, I'm I can't I'm probably gonna eat a whole pumpkin pie to myself, Lombardi. So, so it's gonna is be it, great.
0: Is it pecan or pumpkin for you? What is it?
1: It it's pecan and pumpkin, yes. Okay.
0: It's peach for me, but I mean,
1: yeah, peach is peach. We don't have here, uh, but but peeking, well, they is don't have it in Jersey, too. I, I just up. like
0: peach pie. I mean, you know, Jersey's like it's pumpkin in Jersey, too. <laughs> I mean, we have pumpkin, although my man Richie, who does the producing, just yelled at me the other day about because I started to rip on Jersey Mike's on my on the no bull, you know. And I little hmm. did I know that Richie worked at Jersey Mike's, he was like holding me accountable for it. And I'm like, how where he? he was like representing his bros, you know, from Jersey Mike's. I'm like, no, Richie, it don't count. That bread's <laughs> bad, like, you can't. Like, unless you know good bread, you can't have it. So, anyway.
1: You know who loves Jersey Mike's? Who? Mike Trout. Mike Trout.
0: He's from Millville. How can he like Jersey Trout? Like, Millville's 30 miles from where I grew up. My uncle used to be the principal of Millville High School. (laughs) That was that was Fred's brother, Mike. He was used to be the principal. You know, we got the Fred Palermo Award. Well, Fred's brother, Mike. Now, how about this? Fred's got two other brothers. One's 96, Fred's 90, and Mike's <laughs> 90. They're all alive.
1: There's something in the water there in Jersey.
0: They were never eating Jersey Mike's, I can promise you that. Fred was never eating Jersey Mike's, I can promise you that.
1: I didn't know Jersey Mike's was uh, such a cause for concern. I, I, I will think about that next time I have it. That's uh, for sure. I'm
0: going to get you off that. you are got to come over to the house and have Millie's cooking before you eat Jersey Mike's. Anyway... Let's talk about the game last night. Did you watch it last night?
1: Yeah, we got Seattle Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons. A big game, uh, big wild card implications in this one. And the Seahawks, I mean, they just came out flat. I mean, Russell Wilson did not look like the, the, the magician that he did in the second half when they tried to make a comeback. They had that big fumble that led to a touchdown f- for the Falcons. And obviously after the game, Pete Carroll says... You know, they lost the turnover battle, the Falcons capitalized, and they ended up winning the game. What was probably the big biggest takeaway for you when you watched that game? I mean, it was a big win for the Falcons, obviously, but the Seahawks, uh, I don't know, they, they seem in disarray coming out of the gate.
0: Well, you know, look, they can't, they're not playing Seattle football, right? So Seattle football is we're going to run the ball. We're going to not turn the ball over. We're going to win the turnover battle. We're going to win the game in the fourth quarter, and they're not doing that. And I think the thing is... What I really believe teams should do on the plane ride home, or in the or the day after the game, is when they get in their office, they should sit at their desk and write down why we won the game or why we lost the game. And when you watch that game last night, everybody will say, "Well, they lost because they went for this dumb field goal, fake field goal, and it didn't work." And the, no, 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 they lost the game because they couldn't convert third downs in the red zone. And they couldn't stop Atlanta from scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Two trademark things – that they do. Now, you could blame penalties because they're horribly penalized, but they were bad penalized back when they went to Super Bowls. Okay. You could say, well, you know, they started slow. No, they started slow. They were one of the best fourth quarter teams when we played them in Super Bowl 49. That was the scary part for me, is when they got in the fourth quarter is when they kind of turned it on. They lost that game because of what they're typically good at doing, which is red zone offense and defense, they weren't. And you can blame every other area, but unless you really understand why you lost, it's hard to make progress. I'm scared if I'm Seattle right now. I'm scared because I've lost my identity.
1: You know what I'm really scared about Lombardi if I'm Seattle, it's the kicker situation. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the Blair Wash and what's going on with him. I mean, he's obviously missed a big kick already this season. We know what he did with the playoffs, you know, a couple years ago playing against the Seahawks when he was on the Vikings. And then you have the 34-yard shovel pass to Luke Wilson that never stood a chance. I don't know if that means that they didn't believe in Wash or they were just trying to, you know, take a chance. Obviously, people think they're just trying to take a chance, but still, that says something to Wash that so they're not going to let him just kick that through. And then they have a chance; they have a 52 yard field goal at the end of the game. It's line. The whole sideline looks like they're going to, you know, celebrate the fact that they're going to go to overtime and it comes up seven yards short. I mean, what is Blair Walsh doesn't seem like he's the answer for them. And, and, you know, he's causing more problems than not for the Seahawks right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard just to blame him though. I don't know. You know, like I, I, the Jones. I don't know why it.
1: I don't like Blair Walsh. I, don't, I know you I just, feel like I'm being mean. I don't, don't want to pick mean. on him. You know, I'm it's, sorry, it's, part of the,
0: it's part of the millennial <laughs> culture. Find somebody to blame and just stick with it. You know, I I think it was more of a. I mean, Dion Jones made a great tackle on that on Russell Wilson when he scrambled, or else he was going to get close enough to where I think Blair Walsh was going to make it. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't, It was close. Look, Seattle had so, wishes they had so many plays back. Really. The worst play in football, and I don't understand why nobody reacts to it on television, when you throw a check down like they did, they threw one to the Jimmy Graham, they got seven yards. They threw one to McKissick, they got three yards. Those two plays, you're better off with incompletions. Like Those plays can't happen in a two-minute drill. They kill you. They absolutely kill you. And you're better off, if you're going to throw the ball inbounds, throw it 20 yards down the field and then spike it. Don't throw it three. And everybody's so worried about getting the first down. Oh, we got to get the first down. That's wrong. When a pro golfer steps up to the tee, he, and there's water in front of him, he never thinks about hitting the ball in the water. He knows he's going over the water. It's the same thing when you're in a two-minute drill. Don't worry about getting first downs. Worry about getting yards. If we get yards, we're getting first downs. But we got to take advantage of it. Belichick sands in a room when he's talking about the two-minute drills. It's in cuts. It's digs. It's seams. Those are the plays we got to hit. You throw the ball in a check down in a two-minute practice with Belichick, they're going to go berserk. Like, that's just so... It's so bad to think that way. It's like, okay, we're going to get a first. No, no, stop. We need chunk yards. And I think if Seattle goes back and watches their two-minute drill, those two plays are as really bad as the fake field goal was. Now, nobody's going to talk about it in the same terms.
1: But and who do you put that on? I mean, do you put that on Wilson for Wilson's trying to make Wilson's got to know better throws, than that. Or? Look,
0: I can't throw the yeah. ball. I'd rather throw the ball away than throw it to a guy who's going to get tackled for no gain. Like, I can't do that. I'd rather throw the ball. Now, he's scared because if he throws the ball away, he's in the pocket, you know, and it could be grounding, and then it becomes disastrous. But really, and then, you know, I mean, Seattle's clock management. They use a timeout. They have that stupid challenge, which if they had had one timeout left to go. But all those things being said, as badly as they play, they're sitting there, and they're about two yards short of a field goal. And if Wilson doesn't get tackled by Deion Jones, that game's going overtime. Atlanta, on the other hand, I mean, what I found fascinating was was Gruden said on third and one, he said, hey, they got to go for it. They got to throw it here. His brother on third and one against the New Orleans Saints ran the ball in the same situation. Now, his brother was at 2.30 to go in the game, and New Orleans had one timeout left, okay? So he ran it, and it went down to the two-minute warning, and that was it. But to me, if, you, if you, I agree. I think Jay played it exactly the way you should play it, by the rules, by the book, because he had an eight-point lead. But the reality of that situation was Jay deep down had to know that if I don't get a first down here, that I'm going to lose. I could potentially lose this game. If I get a first down here, the game's over. I think those are the things you got to weigh
1: yeah and those those games pretty much played out the exact same way. I mean it feels like, and this obviously isn't a safe for certain, but if they go to overtime last night, the Seahawks probably pull out that win. oh, they definitely they probably take the yeah and they probably take the lead and they become the you know first in the n f c West and now they're in a tiebreaker because they had the head to head matchup against the Rams. I just want to ask you from a Seattle standpoint, I mean, do you think it hurts when you have a chance like they had last night? you know I think they were eleven and oh or they had one eleven straight on Monday Night football, they had a chance to take the lead in the n f c west um, and then just to have that all happen with the turnovers and stuff and to play so sloppy, does that hurt the the psyche of their team or is it just sort of just keep it moving? Look, they've lost and, two uh, straight home games. They've
0: lost two straight home games, yeah. and they, should, they could have lost to the 49ers at home. They could have lost to Houston at home. I mean, they haven't played good. I mean, they're not playing Seattle football. It all goes back to Pete. When Pete left New England and he went to USC, he said, look, I am going to be the coach that I really want to be, and it's a great book to read. It's a great lesson to learn. Pete's all about the ball. He's all about running the ball. He's all about running his defense. And right now, the pillars of his organization, what he believes in, isn't the same as it once was. I mean, he's the the, the defensive line can't down. Everybody talks about, well, they lost Sherman, and they lost Chancellor, and Earl Thomas. They are all about the defensive front. Michael Bennett's not the same. He's still a good player, don't get me wrong. Michael Bennett's not the same player. They lost Cliff Averill. They're not the same team up front. And when they can't dominate with their defensive front, that defense doesn't dominate. You can have Sherman, you can go back to the Minnesota Vikings defense when he first started this. It was all about their front and their front, he wants their front to be like Philly's front. They don't have that right now. They've put assets somewhere else they you know they gave money to Jimmy Graham, they gave money to they gave assets somewhere else. Unfortunately they don't have any assets in that defense front. They got Sheldon Richardson. they thought he was going to be that was his first sack last night. They're not the same mm-hmm. team in the defensive line. So if I'm Seattle, I'm worried about everything. I have to go back to be in the Seattle. And I would, I mean, how many times are we going to keep telling him, stop playing Eddie Lacey, please? I've seen enough of Eddie Lacey. That's enough, okay? <laughs> like, how much more do you want? What's I, the over-under? Not under, much more. What's the over-under <laughs> on how many pumpkin pies Eddie Lacey eats on Thanksgiving? You want to go down that road?
1: I hope he eats at least four. Of course. I mean, probably probably more yards than he had on Sunday. I mean, or I mean, how
0: many more times are you going to average one yard a carry? He doesn't fit their offense. <laughs> he, you know, the third and one, you're giving him the ball. Like, no, no, McKissick, we we said this on the pod. Mike Davis ended up being the best back. McKissick's still the, one of their best backs. So, and then I think if you're Atlanta, you got to feel like, okay, we won a game where we held on to the lead in the fourth quarter. We can build on this. Atlanta can build on it. There's no doubt. They're, they can become this they can make this run. I mean, they gotta to have to get through Carolina, they got to, to get through New Orleans. They got a lot of tough games ahead of them. But if Ryan plays the way he played, you know, that's the one thing about the NFC. There's better teams as a whole. When you look at that, look at the look at the North in in the South and the AFC in the NFC. You've got Carolina a good team. You got Atlanta good team. Mm-hmm. You got New Orleans a good team. When you go over there, we got Jacksonville and Tennessee are the two teams that are competing <laughs> in the South, and we got Kansas City. I mean, really, it's a Pittsburgh, it's a Pittsburgh, New England race. And then everything and the and the NFC has much better teams. They're the they're the conference to really watch.
1: Yeah, when you look at the NFC, I mean, we didn't even mention the Lions, who are sort of, you know, slightly at six and four. And then you got the Cowboys, obviously, who are sort of reeling at this point, but you never know with them. And then obviously I still think the Washington team is a really, really good football team, and I would not want to play them any week. So Yeah, but they lost Uh, Chris Thompson.
0: I mean, they lose Chris Thompson and he's such a good player. I mean, he's one of my favorite players to watch. I don't know how they overcome that injury. I really don't. They've overcome a lot of them. But I'm not sure how they can overcome this one. I think that's going to be hard. They're four and six. I don't think you want to play them. I think like the Saints are like, whoo! thank God we got them out of our way and we stuck away a win. I don't think you want to play Washington. I think you can beat Washington. I don't think you want to play them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into some of these uh, Thanksgiving games. We have three games coming yeah, this up. We is a, have this is a
0: special f- GM Street uh, Thanksgiving edition. We'll all have pumpkin pie after this. We'll break down the games here. Hey, should we have whipped cream on top? Oh, you got to have whipped cream. You, know, you, ever have, have you ever been to have you ever been to Peter Luger's in New York? No, I have not. It's a steakhouse. It's a famous steakhouse. It's in Brooklyn. It's a. It's, it's it's the greatest whipped cream you ever have in your life. You should just go to have the. Forget the steaks. Just go have the whipped cream. It's the greatest whipped cream. You. It would be like it's like heaven. That's we'll my go there plug together. We'll yeah, it we out. should. We should go. We'll, we can go to the we can go to the tournament games there. That would be fun. New
1: York City's always always. I we live in high class. Yeah. That'll be high class lifestyle for me, Lombardi. Yeah. Be I'll get on your level. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, the first game, I guess, we have on Thursday when people are downing their pumpkin pies. Uh it'll be 12 30 Eastern. We have the Vikings and the Lions, obviously in Detroit. You eat that early on Thanksgiving.
0: Of- How can you eat that early on Thanksgiving? If I eat that early, <laughs> no, on, I'm to no, 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 eat no. all day.
1: Well, I you know, I'm gonna sneak turkey, you know, throughout the day, obviously. But I, I we usually eat later in the day, uh like six o'clock, pretty much.
0: All right. you you gotta have something is, to is do. Is that standard? Yeah, yeah, I like to eat early, but like, there's got to have to be some man There's going to have to be some kind of pasta on Thanksgiving. Like, there's no way I'm just going straight. Like, wow. I'm not a pilgrim. Like, I'm not a pilgrim. I mean, I'm American, <laughs> born and raised, but there's going to have to be some kind of Italian, some kind of gravy on the table. There's not, and not brown gravy. I'm talking about Italian gravy. So, mm, I like that. Yeah,
1: it's a rule. like. Some you gotta pasta. have it. You
0: gotta have a little man of gut. You gotta have a little. You know, whether you have rigatoni, I don't care what it is. It's going to have to be some kind of you know ravioli, <laughs> something special. So, to me. Like, you know, you start off with that, and but nothing's eat being eaten between the first game we're watching the Lions.
1: Yeah, nothing's... Well, maybe a little snack. Yeah, right. Maybe a little appetizer. That's all you can have. Uh, but when you look at this game, obviously the Vikings came out there at 8-2 and two now. Uh, they look like a legitimate team. Case Keenum, everyone, is really riding the Case Keenum, Case Keenum bandwagon at this point. Uh, and the Lions... They're just hanging around. I mean, they they could actually sneak in. The schedule that they have down the stretch is not too hard, um, and they could end up being a, a sneaky wildcard team. So this will be a fun one to watch. Uh, the Lions obviously have been a, a punching bag on Thanksgiving for quite a long time, but they've really flipped that around since Stafford came to town. So uh, what do you expect to see from this game? You know,
0: I, I, the Lions are a funny team for me. They they play to the level of comp, or maybe that is their level. Like, they're in that Bears game. I mean, did you watch the the kick, the Bears kicker, uh Connor Connor Barth a kick left. Connor last
1: week. Barth, great North Carolina alum. I, I can't you believe you the, missed that kick. If
0: they would have put the goal post, if the goal post <laughs> would have been as wide as the field, that wouldn't have been a good kick. Like like if you would have made the goal post like from hash mark to hash mark, I mean, <laughs> that might have been the worst kick I've ever seen in my entire life. Like there was no. I think chance. think thought
1: I think he thought they were gonna ice him. I swear to God. I mean, I think to, you thought to be, right. That was happen. Like
0: so, like Detroit's <laughs> playing that game, right? And and you're watching Detroit. I thought Stafford was really looked like he was hurt in that game. He took another beating. He got pushed around, but he makes plays. I mean, I think the one thing you don't want to do when you play Detroit is you don't want to get you don't want to get ahead of them because then that allows Stafford. He doesn't have to worry about pretending he wants to run the ball because he really doesn't. And then he can wing it all over the field, and they can make a couple plays, and they can score in a hurry. I think this is a big game. You know, look. When you watch Chicago last week, Chicago ran the ball on on Detroit pretty effectively, especially considering the fact that Detroit knew that they were going to run the ball because that's all Chicago can do with their offense. I think if I'm mm-hmm. Minnesota, I want to I want to make this a slow game. I want to make this a four-corner, spread the court, like wear them down, run the ball. Don't give Stafford, make Stafford have the ball 24, 25 minutes, that's it, and try to steal a win. I think this will be a good game because I think Detroit, for whatever reason, they play to the level and they find a way to hang around. They've got really good... Whatever you think about Jim Caldwell as a coach, their team has mental toughness, and I respect that. And I think this is going to be a hard game for Minnesota.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But if Latavius Murray does what he did last week with those two touchdowns, and he kind of looked like a star running back last week for the first time in a long time since he was probably back with the Raiders. So if he can do that again, that that will pretty much change the tone of the
0: game. I think Tony Sperano should get a raise. I mean, I think that guy's done an incredible job with the offensive line in Minnesota. I think Minnesota's off... And I know they spent money, and they rearranged some things, but... What they've done, and, and Pat Shermer's done a really good job of coaching the quarterback. They've got, look, you know, if the Clapper was up in Minnesota, you know, he would be complaining <laughs> about not having all those players up there. I mean, look, and look what Minnesota's doing with a backup running back, a back two. They've lost Dalvin Cook. Can you imagine if they had Dalvin Cook on this team?
1: I know. It, it, they'd be running the Wildcat, Tony Sperano's dream.
0: Yeah, exactly. They'd be running the Wildcat. I mean, these receivers, Adam Thielen, I mean, he makes two plays a, a, game, a week down the field. It's unbelievable. I, 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 I like Minnesota's mental toughness. I like Zimmer. I think he's a really good adjustment coach. I think this would be Mm -hmm. a fun game to watch. I don't think you want to peak too early. I don't think you want to go to too much food here. You know, I don't think it's going to be one of those games. We usually have a Godfather marathon on Thanksgiving on A and E. They run like one through three. They keep repeating it.
1: Absolutely. Like usually, it takes when it, like twelve hours to get through. Right. On, usually, on when TV. the games
0: are bad, I just screw it and go watch the Godfather and watch Clemenza eat, which <laughs> kind of gets me ready to eat. So, like, I, I think that you know, my sense of that is, is is I think this will be a good game all the way around.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the next game. We got the Chargers going to Dallas. The Chargers are hot. I mean, they had that. I mean, they had a huge win last week. Uh, put up fifty-four points. Uh, Phil Rivers and the Chargers look like a team that could make a late playoff push in the AFC, especially with some of these bottom feeder teams. The Cowboys. At this point, you know the clapper is just you know doing things that the clapper does, which is not much—just claps and chews gum. It's so um, bad. And into this game, what do you uh, what do you expect to see? I mean, honestly, I expect to see the Chargers put on a whipping. But whenever I say that about the Chargers, they tend not to show up. You're so I, them. I don't want to get I mean, hopes Bill Simmons up. told yeah.
0: me today he, said, he likes the Chargers. I, I and I'm like, he says, "Why you don't like the clapper in this?" No, I don't like the clapper here because I'm you know with three days work. I mean, what's he? You know, he's not going to come up with anything different. I mean, they're going to have a hard time. Doing it. I, I don't know. I mean, every time I want to say I'm in love with the Chargers, like, I think that they'll do it. I think they can do it. I mean, look, it's going to be a zone game. They're going to know what they're in. I mean, Wizard Hunt will call a good game. Can they run the football effectively? We'll see what Phillip Rivers can do. But I think the game's going to come down to can Des Bryant make a play? I think if you're the Cowboys, you got to be really worried about your overall skill level of your team. You just don't make enough explosive plays. And when they want Dez to be the guy, Dez is just a jump ball receiver. He's making $17 million a year, and he's a jump ball receiver. I mean, look, Adam Thielen, if, if push come to shove, you would take Adam Thielen over Dez Bryant. you imagine that? Think about that now.
1: I was honestly thinking about that this Sunday when we did our GM street pod and we got done. I was driving home and I always try to think about players or moments that we didn't talk about or things that I forgot. And all, I went home and the first thing I thought was I have not given Adam Thielen enough love. I mean, no. he, he's basically, he's created a vertical passing game for the Vikings so that they can have a running game and uh, be a threat offensively. So he's literally done that single-handedly. And that is exactly what the Cowboys need right they don't now. Have that. Terrence Williams still, yeah, still no TDs on the season. Bryce Butler is their fourth leading receiver so far. I mean, I don't know. They they have a bunch of problems.
0: But this is a classic kind of game where you're thinking, you know, that Dallas should not win the game, Dallas shouldn't be close and you know and uh you know and and and, San- and Los Angeles, you just think that whenever the pressure's on them to win, whenever it's not expected for them to win they play good, but when they're expected to play good, I don't know. But look, to me, the better team, I mean, if Jacksonville if San if Los Angeles beats them at Jacksonville I mean, they're sitting there. They could win the West as bad as they started off,
1: which is insane. It it, it just blows my mind that that's even possible. And in the realm of possibility, uh, let's keep it going. I mean, is there anything else you want to see from Dallas or the Clapper? Should we just leave it at that? We don't. No. We don't want to rail on the Clapper too much this week.
0: No, I just you know, I like to know. Really, I think there should be a documentary on what he does Monday. Like, what do you think he did? does? He what does he do all day? Like, what does he do? All you know,
1: day? they they have this documentary with South Park. It's called Six Days to Air. We should do that with Jason Garrett, three days to snaps uh, and just see see what goes on. I think he just sits in his office and just hopes that people come by and say hello. I mean, he doesn't I feel like, like he's a really nice guy.
0: Oh, hey, he's a casino host. Did you <laughs> see him after the game? He's going over to Zach Ertz. He's congratulating him after the game. Like, I've never seen a guy happier when he loses than Jason so Garrett. So happy. He's a casino host. Like, like I was in Vegas. I'm thinking, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) He would be ideal to run the Caesars. Like, be the casino host at Caesar. Hello, welcome. We're so glad you could. Hey, here's a bunch of chips. Why don't you play, you know? I'm learning the casino business, you know? I mean, it'd be perfect for him.
1: Jerry Jones would be a good Wayne Newton in that scenario. Oh, he'd be perfect. Um,
0: anyway, let's go. Let's go. Well, I picked on Garrett enough. I'm, I'm bored. He's boring yeah. the hell out of me. All right. The, that's going to work. one of favorite guy. subjects. Let's,
1: yeah. <laughs> let's pick on our guy, Ben McAdoo. Uh, the the Giants are going to go to the Washington professional football team this weekend, uh, and we're going to see if You're Ben Redskins. McAdoo You're the, You love it.
0: Washington's team. I, I, look, I love Washington. When I was a kid growing up, I was a huge Washington team fan. I loved him because when I was young, Vince, I was a Packer fan. In fact, we're going to have him on this podcast soon. The, The original Vince Lombardi grew up in Ocean City, New Jersey. He's a carpenter there. He's a huge Packer fan, by the way, has a lot of opinions on Ted Thompson's work, has a lot of opinions on the Packers. He's got a lot of opinions on everything. But anyway, he was a Packer fan. And when Lombardi went to the Redskins in 69, I became a Redskin fan. Now, Vince Lombardi, the original in Ocean City, he stayed a Packer fan. He wasn't changing allegiance. I did. I became a Redskin, and I loved the Redskins. And there was nothing better than when the Redskins were on Thanksgiving Day to watch them play against the Cowboys. Because when I was growing up, unlike you, we didn't have all the games on, right? So if yeah, it was you got, three games, right? Well, when but you could never, like I could never see Washington play. I would have to go to Delaware and stay at my godfather's house, and he cookies in the basement. <laughs> and watch the Redskins play because he was getting Baltimore channels in Delaware, and I was getting I could get the Redskins there because if I stayed home, I was only going to get the I was only going to get the Eagle game. So, you know, but for Thanksgiving, you knew the Redskins were playing on Thanksgiving. That means you got to actually see them. I could see the uniforms. I could watch them. I loved it. So I was a huge. And then Clint Longley came out. You, know, you remember Clint Longley? Clint Longley of came out. This is this is classic. Okay, maybe the clapper should watch this. So the Cow- the Redskins are playing the Cowboys. It's Thanksgiving Day. Roger Staubach, I think it may have been Staubach or Danny White. One of them got hurt, okay? And in comes Clint Longley. I think it was Staubach. This is way early enough. So Staubach gets hurt. Clint Longley comes in off the bench, right? And, you know, and I'm a, I'm a Redskins fan, so I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're going to win this game. There's no problem, right? And Longley leads them back, and he beats them. Backup quarterback mm. leads the Cowboys to a victory. Maybe that should be something the Clapper should look at, you know, like, like study this a little bit. Anyway, so it ruined my Thanksgiving, but that was the best part of Thanksgiving when you could watch your team play, and so I was always a Redskins fan. So to see the Redskins playing on Thanksgiving will make me happy.
1: Absolutely, and I am actually sitting in my old bedroom right now, and I can see my Sean Taylor Redskins jersey uh, in my closet, so... I will say this though: We talk about the regional stuff. There are so many Redskins fans in North Carolina because that was the closest team. So, so many people that are older than me in my in my hometown, they all watched the Redskins growing up. So, they all love the Redskins. And I got family members that you know want to watch the Redskins play. So, I will definitely be tuning into this game, and I will be tuning in personally just to watch our boy McAdoo. What do you what do you think you are going to see? Is it going to be a McAdoo or McAdon? I think it'll be
0: Macadone. I mean, look, he you know he, he last week he like couldn't now the win last week was really significant. I don't think when I was in Vegas watching the game on the TV because I was on one of the monitors I couldn't really see but the wind was obviously so bad it was 45 mile an hour it really affected the game a lot Uh, I -hmm. don't think weather's gonna affect these games too much so it'll be interesting to see how how it all comes out I mean Washington's gonna miss Chris Thompson but they'll move the ball And, and I don't know what the Giants can do I still don't trust Eli I mean they won that game last week. Eli underthrew a couple deep balls. Like, why does anybody ever play Eli Manning to overthrow the receiver? Like, if you don't practice underthrown <laughs> balls like when you play the Giants, you like, are you paying any attention to this at all? He underthrows every deep ball. So, he gets pass interference calls, right?
1: Because it's genius because the, the receivers are coming back. The yeah, receivers the guys are always coming backstory.
0: back, but the DB's like, oh, I, I didn't realize he was going to underthrow that ball. No, really? Have you <laughs> watched any tape on this guy in the last two years, last three years? He underthrows every deep ball. Like, he, like it's always going to be underthrown. So play back into it. You can't. So I, I think it'll be a good game. I mean, look, both teams are playing for draft choices. And, you know, the Giants keep winning. They won't get their quarterback. It'll piss off all the Giant fans.
1: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I mean, do you think the Redskins maybe throw this game just so the Giants don't get a top draft pick? Are are they that malicious?
0: (laughs) They should be. I mean, hey, the Redskins better worry about where they're going to get their next quarterback because I got them. Andy Dalton's coming to town. So we'll see how that works out.
1: I can't wait. I can't wait for the Washington Redheads. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to do some insulting and uh, keep this thing rolling. They say in life there are no guarantees. They say there's no sure thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there might just be one exception. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things, and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the test of time. 93 years later, Husky is still making quality, crafted, durable tools, and Husky stands by their hand tools for life, so they gave them a lifetime warranty, like the Husky Ratchet with a 100-position ratcheting design with a 10 10% longer handle than standard ratchets to do what other ratchets can't. Or the virtually unbreakable Husky flashlight with the ability to withstand a 30-foot drop and work in up to 1 meter of water submersion. Now that's a pretty sure thing. To Husky, that's common sense. Learn more at www.huskytools.com. Husky, common sense tools since 1924 with hand tools guaranteed for a lifetime found only at the Home Depot. All right, Lombardi, our favorite segment, not for nothing. Uh, we're going to insult a few people a little bit. We're going to start with our one of our favorite head coaches who's had a rough week, and that is Jack Del Rio of the Oakland Raiders, who it, it just announced that he just fired his defensive coordinator, Ken Norton Jr., um, and he's going to promote John Pagano to that position. So what's going on with Jack Del Rio? Why does he need some insulting?
0: Well, I, I think this. Look, look, I, he hired Ken Norton. He's a defensive coach. Like, this is what really irks me to death. I mean, his specialty is defense, right? So it's mm-hmm. his team, okay? It's his team. It's, it's his defense. It has his name on it. Like, he just didn't give his team to Ken Norton. So Ken Norton was obviously doing what he wanted him to do, at least I think so, right? So when he hired John Pagano this offseason, it was the worst kept secret in America that he wanted Pagano, but he didn't fire Norton. Like, if you're going to fire Norton, the time to do it would have been so Pagano could have put in all his stuff, but he kept Norton. And now he fires a mid-season like it's Norton's fault. They gave up all those yards to the Patriots. Come on, really? I mean, have you watched your offense play? Have you watched Derek Carr, who's yet to throw the ball down the field? You talk about a guy who's really overrated right now based on his play. Derek Carr won't throw the ball down the field. He's becoming check down Charlie. Whether he's worried about him getting hit or not, whether his back injuries bother him, I don't know. But he's averaged seven yards per yards per attempt, which is significantly low to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And oh, by the way, that's what he averaged last year. So he's not holding the ball very long. He's not throwing it down the field. For me, if I'm the head coach of the Raiders and I'm a defensive coach and that's my specialty, you're going to run what I want to run. That's why I got hired. I'm a head coach. That's what I got hired. So now he makes Ken Norton the scapegoat, which I'm not defending Ken Norton here because I think their defense is poorly coached. But I think Pagano's in a tough spot. But if you're going to fire Ken Norton, you don't have to do it now and make him embarrass the guy. You could easily just do what Dan Quinn did last year. I mean, Dan Quinn last year fired Richard Smith as his defense coordinator. He just didn't tell anybody. He took away the play-calling duties (laughs) from him, right? He took away the Mm -hmm. play-calling duties from him, and he started calling it, right? He's a defensive head coach. He could handle it. I think this is really kind of a lame way to do things. I really think it's poor. I think it's Del Rio just making somebody the scapegoat, like take the attention off of me. Like at some point, this is your team. This is your defense. Stand accountable for it.
1: Well, it's a PR move, right? I mean, it's basically to say, look, I've I've done, I've made an adjustment to try to fix this problem. And I want everyone to know that I have done this. So I don't think he would have done this to Ken Norton Sr. For people that don't know, Ken Norton Sr. was a great boxer. Yeah. Uh, that's Ken Norton Jr.'s dad. Um, and I feel bad for Ken Norton Jr. I, I, don't, I think he was in a bad position, and he was almost set up to fail because once Pagano came in, yeah, it was you know, fail. he was basically a lame duck at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: Pagano's just shrugging his shoulders, saying, oh, it's a, you know, this is not, I wouldn't do it this way. But look, I mean, I mean, Ken Norton's still taping his fingers. In pre, I mean, like, you ever see his play card? He's got, his fingers are taped like he's getting ready to play the game. Like, here's my <laughs> point. If you don't like what Norton's <laughs> doing, right? Just go tell them, like, hey, I'm not – don't run that. Look, you think Belichick sits in there and says, oh, Matt, Patricia, you just run anything you want to run. I'm fine with it. Matt, just go ahead and do it.
1: I hope not. You know what I mean? I hope not.
0: Of course he does it. He walks in the room and says, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then, you know, they go back and forth with it. That's what a head coach does, you know? And, and mm-hmm. you can't just fire a guy because oh, I don't like what you're doing. What it? That, that's what we're doing. Aren't we in this? Aren't we doing this together? Like, and here's the other point. Like, his defense – it was bad last year. Like, if you didn't fire him last year when you won 13 or 12 games, now you're going to fire them. They're the same bad defense. They're still bad, right? Your offense is letting you down because they can't score any points. And, oh, by the way, let's look at our quarterback because he's not throwing the ball down the field. And, oh, our, our receivers aren't catching the ball. I mean, it's really not a well-coached team at all. So we're going to insult you.
1: Yeah, and if you watch the Raiders right now with Derek Carr, Derek Carr almost has Alex Smith syndrome where he is he's doing the efficient thing, but he's not doing the like I always saw Derek Carr when when he first start when he first came onto the scene it was like, oh, this guy will take a shot deep. You know, he's not afraid to take the shot deep. He's obviously going to have to deal with some interceptions at times and maybe some turnover problems, but he's not afraid of it. This year, it just seems like he's content to take the three and out as long as it's not a turnover or throw the ball away. And I call it the Alex Smith syndrome. And I I don't know if it's because he's watched Alex Smith play so much because they're in the same division or what, but I don't know. It doesn't look look like the same guy right now. Well, he's got the hot potato thing.
0: I mean, he's got the back injury. He don't want to hold the ball any long. He, He doesn't look like he wants to take a lot of hits. Which I understand Mm -hmm. because he has the back injury, but last year he didn't, you know, last year he didn't throw the ball up the field. He averaged seven yards last year per pass attempt. See, that's the number one stat when you want to evaluate a quarterback. And why is that the number one stat? Because that stat tells you what the quarterback's eye level is. If the quarterback's eye level is up the field and he's throwing the ball up the field, then that yards per attempt is going to be high. All right. If the quarterback's eye level is low, like Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco can come off the field and say, "You know, the left guard took a bad set. I thought the right tackle got beat on that play," and I'm averaging about five-five per yards per attempt, my eye level's way down. And when my eye level's way Mm -hmm. down and I'm watching the offensive line, I can't make any plays. Basically, I'm worried about getting hit. It's a nice way of saying you're worried about getting hit. And that's what it looks like in Oakland. That's what it looks like in Baltimore with Flacco. The ball becomes a hot potato in your hand. Like, look, man, I'm getting this thing out of here. I don't want to get hit. Boom, boom, boom. And you know what happens when you start doing that? You don't win any games because it's too hard to make a lot of good plays in a series if you don't make a chunk play.
1: And you also set yourself up for your, all your receivers looking at you like, what is going on here? Yeah, right. Like, no. Give me a chance.
0: Yeah, like you got to have to hold the ball a little lot like, like Kirk Cousins, he held the ball the other day. Hey, look, Russell Wilson got the crap. Matt Ryan held the ball just enough longer to get the ball out yeah. so you can make plays. So speaking of holding the balls, did you like what our boy John Elway did? Hey, did you like what he did?
1: What did he do? I didn't even see what he did. He fired Mike McCoy. If
0: they, they fired Mike McCoy, the oh, offense coordinator. Of
1: course, of course. Poor Mike McCoy is always, this. we're talking about scapegoats. I mean, Mike McCoy just gets blamed for everything pretty much. Well, he had Peyton Manning. I can't believe that.
0: He had Peyton Manning, right? And so Peyton Manning, they have this great run. They're this great offense. He's so good as an offense coordinator. He gets the head coaching job in San Diego. OK, then he gets fired as the head coach. He comes back because he was good when he had Peyton Manning. And oh, by the way, now he's not any good because he doesn't have Peyton Manning. Maybe the Broncos should figure like that. None of us are any good since we don't have Peyton Manning. Maybe that's the problem. Like, I feel bad for Bill Musgrave, who's going against his former team this week, who got fired last year from the Raiders. I mean, Musgrave. Mm hmm. I mean, Musgrave's taking over an offense with no quarterback, a bad offensive line. Like, I think it's going to be a hard job. And then here's the thing I think what no one really understands is when you make this decision, and this wasn't Vance Joseph's decision, I don't think Vance Joseph is walking in and saying, I got to get rid of Mike McCoy. He's going. I don't want him on my staff anymore. This now lets the players know the front office is running the team. And once that happens, it ain't good.
1: Absolutely, and and speaking of the front office running the team, I'm pretty sure John L When you first said that, I I, I thought I saw John L I said that Paxton Lynch will start this week, and I just looked it up, and I, I believe that will happen. So we will see Paxton, uh, Paxton Lynch for the first time. Good luck. So we'll have to say farewell to the Heist, which is really sad because <laughs> I enjoy watching. Brock yeah, I play. do.
0: I like I like the balls going end over end. I really do. <laughs>
1: I like the struggle of Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the lack of struggle for Chip Kelly to find a coaching job. It seems like every every opening right now, his name is getting thrown out there. He's basically the John Gruden of college football. Uh, we got the Florida job that just opened up uh, recently. And then obviously Jim Moore just got fired from UCLA. And there's rumblings that, you know, Chip Kelly will... You know, possibly take the the UCLA job. He already met with Florida, and then it came out today that Florida is going to expand their coaching search, even though they enjoy, they had a good meeting with Chip Kelly. Um, just talking about the jobs and the landscape of college football. I mean, Kevin Sumlin is a name that's been thrown out there that could possibly go to UCLA. When you look at those two jobs specifically, they're so different, but they're also programs that you know. Obviously, Florida is a, a top program, and UCLA has the potential to be, and obviously has a history there. I mean, what what job in your mind, if you're a Chip Kelly, would, would you? as the premier job at UCLA or Florida?
0: Well, I think Florida's a great job because you got great recruiting base. So you don't have to go very far. you got a direct flight into Gainesville from Atlanta and Charlotte. So if you want to go out of state, you got pretty much direct. I'm all about direct flights for the campus. So the parents can come mm-hmm. see their kids play when they play out of state. So I think that's important. But to me, the UCLA job is interesting from the fact that you can be quarterback you. You've had Troy Aikman. You've got you can you can sell the fact that you're a quarterback university, and you can go out and you can become a national recruiting. Because a lot of people want to. I mean, you walk around that campus at UCLA, and it's like, whoa, this is pretty nice. Like it, the weather's great. You know, the, everybody's you know everybody's tan it's a great campus you know <laughs> all the pretty girls beautiful
1: people of LA beautiful people yeah. of
0: LA everybody's drinking av- <laughs> you know green shakes and all that so I, I i think if if i'm chip kelly i'm looking at who do i have to beat to win a national championship right like I, you got to think again this is false dualities what's it's not what's a better job is what's job going to allow me to be successful what can i do if i'm at ucla I think I could win the here because I get a quarterback. The competition, is Oregon not the same job? Oregon State, no. Arizona, Arizona State, no. Washington, Chris Peterson, a really good coach. I got to beat him. Mike Leach at Washington State, good coach. They're always going to be kind of up and down based on recruiting. So for me, USC is my competition. Washington is my competition. I think UCLA, just by the level of comp, where if I go to Florida, I got to beat Kirby. I got to beat who the new guy is at Tennessee. I got to beat Will Muschamp at South Carolina. I mean, there's some serious mm-hmm. things. And, and when I get through that hurdle, then it's like you know, you ever play those those games where you got a level one, level two, level three, level four, level five before you win the game, right? I mean, that's yep, what it's like keep playing this. up, right? So oh, by the way, I beat Georgia. I beat Tennessee. I beat South Carolina. I've uh, oh now my reward is I get to play Alabama. Like really. <laughs> like that's my reward is now I get to play. So like to get there is really, really hard. You know, Alabama's going to be good. Whereas if I can win, if I can win at UCLA, get quarterbacks, I just think it's a better job. I think Florida is a great job. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you want to think about winning a national championship and having a path to the final four, the path at UCLA is, could be easier than the one at Florida.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great explanation because in my mind, when I first heard that, I just said to myself... Well, of course, you know the job is Florida. Florida is the better job. It's a national program that won national championships not too long ago. You know, two, you know, within four year span. Uh, But then you start thinking about just what you can sell at UCLA and. You know, all the competition that's in the SEC and, you know, it, it may add up that UCLA is actually an easier job if you want to win a title. And I'm pretty sure that's what Chip Kelly's trying to do at this point in his career. Um, let's talk about our lottery watch. We do the college lottery watch where we talk about guys that will probably be making the leap to the NFL next year. Um, two guys that are on the list. The first one, Baker Mayfield. We mentioned him last week. He had an interesting week at Kansas. the The Kansas captains come out. They don't shake his hand. He does the whole "Okay, okay now" and does like a little clap, like sarcastically back at them. And then uh, I think he at one point uh, grabs his uh, his nether regions and and does it to the stands. And uh, they end up winning the game forty one to three. He chirps back at some fans about them being a basketball school and only having one win. So then everyone starts questioning his his character as a whole. Uh, when you're a GM and you see this happened with a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's obviously talented and is right now, I think the front runner for the Heisman, uh, does that, is there any red flag there? Is there any Manziel syndrome with that situation? Or is it more of like, this is a college kid and this is what, this is what goes on.
0: I, I think you got to do a lot more work on him. I think you got to go back to Lake Travis high school. I think you got to go sit down with a lot of people there and try to get to know who this kid is. Is he being a showman or is what is he doing? I think the one thing he's grown on me, I didn't like his personality at all. I mean, I, I kind he kind of rubbed me the wrong way when it, my first initial impression of him. But the more I watch him, the more the competitiveness that comes out in him, the more I've kind of liked him as a football player. And he's growing on me. And I think that's a really good thing to do is when you can grow on someone, you're like, take it. I just think you need to do a lot more work on this guy. I think this guy's really more talented than initially I thought he was. And I think I think as you do that, you want to find out exactly what kind of leader you're going to get. Is he a great leader? Is he just a good leader? Or is he going to have some negative influence in terms of leadership? Is he going to behave like this? Because let me tell you this. He's not walking in the NFL grab, doing this stuff to those guys. It's too hard of a league to perform at this level. It's one thing to do with the Kansas all due respect to Kansas but it's another thing to do it in the NFL regardless of where he goes. So you just want to do more work on him. I think that's the thing. I think the one thing he's done by making all this stuff, he's given people his attention. But where this the tension has gone to is on his play on the field because that's been really good.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about another quarterback. Obviously, our Heisman trof- Trophy winner from last year, Lamar Jackson. Uh, it just came out that he is not a finalist for the Davey O'Brien Award, which is handed out to the best quarterback, or the Maxwell Award, which is handed out to the best player in college football. Um, so he's not on either one of those lists uh, obviously he hasn't really gotten uh, you know the coverage that he obviously got last year when yeah. he made his Heisman campaign Um, but what do you see from him I mean do you see the translation to the NFL because a lot of people still believe this guy will be a top talent and some people have said uh, that they expect him to be a guy like you know Deshaun Watson that can come in and make an impact for a team pretty early
0: yeah I, I, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan I think it's going to require somebody with a unique vision to handle him I think it's going to be a little bit what what Deshaun Watson did it at Houston this year. It's going to be a lot of spread, a lot of shotgun. He can go under center. Look, when you play for Petrino, Petrino's a hard quarter. He's hard on the quarterbacks. I mean, you've been drilled. You've been talked about fundamentals And he doesn't throw the ball as accurately as you want at times. He misses some easy throws, but his speed is remarkable. I've never seen a player play more off balance but never fall down than Lamar Jackson. His speed is deadly electrifying. I mean, he can do some things. He's gotten stronger. I think he would benefit from another year in school. People tell me he's going to come out early. I think he's one of those guys you have to be all in as an organization to take him. I think he can play quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a dynamic athlete, and you've got to build an offense around him. I don't think he's going to come in and just run your offense, but he has some unique skills. The arm is unbelievable. The speed is unbelievable. It's all got to tie together, and it's got to be done in a way, a little like Michael Vick. And Michael Vick's gone on record saying he's a better quarterback than I ever was, and I agree with that. I think it's going to have to be that way. But the speed and and the ability to accelerate. And the ability to break tackles is electrifying. I like Lamar. I really am. I'm a Lamar fan.
1: I like Lamar too. I I hope it works out. And he's a good kid. You know, he works hard. I mean, yeah, he he seems like a great kid. He
0: works hard. He's humble. He's won the Heisman. He's not, you know. And I think this will serve as good motivation for him because people are doubting him. You know, now will he be able to run and check at the line and run a lot of volume? I I would say probably no. But I think what he can run can be effective, and I think he could be really a hard guy to defend week in and week out.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let's do a little word on the street here before we head out. I just want to, Pro- producer Jim just sent this to me. Uh, the Seahawks waived Dwight Freeney, one of the few guys that has shown some signs of life on that D yeah, line. Yeah, he looked bad I know last night. We talked night. about this. He
0: looked bad last night. Yeah. He couldn't get anything going last night. In fact, when he was chasing a play from behind, it looked like he was limping. I mean, look, they're trying everything to get defensive linemen there, and they're hurting in the defensive line. And, and this is one of the things, I mean, Pete, this is a Pete. People talk about, oh, it's got to be Sherman, it's got to be Cham. No, it's about their defensive line, and their defensive line isn't playing near to the level. I thought they would play better this year and with getting Sheldon Richardson, but you can see why. The Cliff Averill injury hurts them. Michael Bennett's not the same player we talked about earlier in the podcast. I could see this really clear.
1: Yeah, this is tough. Uh, Well, we will not be doing a Saturday sit-down this week. We're going to let you guys uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. We will be back Sunday night, myself, and Mike Lombardi, we will be in the studio together, right? Are you coming back
0: Sunday? you going to be back in time?
1: Yeah, I'll be back. Great.
0: All right, Tate, no, 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 don't eat too much. Enjoy yourself.
1: I will. I will. Uh, We're going to eat a lot of pie, eat a lot of turkey, and uh, watch a lot of football. Nothing better than that.
0: Uh, Zal Davis said, do great. Thanks a lot.
1: (laughs) Well, this has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Husky Tools. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills and making tools that stand the test of time. 93 years later, Husky's still making quality crafted, durable tools, including hand tools that are guaranteed for life. Learn more at HuskyTools.com. Husky Tools found only at The Home Depot.